0: welcome to women wanting women where we explore topics that matter to women like us we talk about being a woman attracting women and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization i'm your hostess lesbian love coach jordana michelle and if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together? Then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at WomenWantingWomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. What if our fear could be our biggest inspiration? What if the biggest risk is not taking any risk at all? Because Would any badass truly be a badass if they didn't take big risks? Well, in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interviewed Teresa Boyd, one of my favorite badasses in our community, to talk about the fears and setbacks she's had to overcome and the risks she's taken to achieve the success she's achieved in her life. Teresa Boyd is the founder of Five Points Production. They shoot internationally, producing print and video advertising content for some of the world's most popular brands, including Nike, Fendi, Starbucks, Victoria's Secret, Nordstrom, Macy's, Calvin Klein, Michael Kors, Japanese Vogue, Tommy Bahamas, and Hush Puppies. As a producer, Teresa's also worked with many of Hollywood's A-listers, including Beyonce, Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lopez, Vince Vaughn, Heidi Klum, and Martha Stewart, among others. You can learn more about Teresa Boyd on her website at 5pointsprod.com and follow her on Instagram at tboyd5points. But first, please enjoy this really vulnerable, open-hearted interview with my dear friend, the amazing Teresa Boyd. Teresa, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Thank you, Jordana. I'm happy to be here. It's it's an honor to have you ask me. So thank you very much.
0: You wanna jump right in? Sure. Tell us a little, little bit about your life and how you and where you started and, and where you brought yourself.
1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, first of all. You know, I, I was a baby of, uh, baby of six kids and my father in the military. And my mother, he was gone quite a bit. So my mother really raised us as we bounced acro- across the U.S. I think we moved maybe four times in two years. So I was plucked out of school quite a bit. And in lieu of being, you know, a wallflower, I I got out and socialized and played sports to To make friends, you know, when you're the new kid in town and you're in school, it it can be quite intimidating. So I think, you know, as much as I really, you know, loads of leaving friends, I decided to make more in every city. You know, we were in Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Texas, New Hampshire, Maine, where I was born, you know, so we, we bounced quite a bit. So, being the baby of six, that that's with a father in the military and being having six kids, you can imagine, it, it kind of made me a little a little hungry to just have something different. I remember my father sat my twin brother and I down. when we were sixteen, he said, "Let me teach you something about credit." And he sat down, and he said, "Those twenty five dollars pair of jeans that you want, which is what it was at the time." Those $25 pair of jeans that you want are going to end up costing you hundred. If you don't, if you don't have the cash to pay it in cash, do not buy it. If you can't pay that full credit card bill off when it comes in, you don't have any business buying what you're buying with credit. You pay a minimum interest every single month. And that $25 stays there. Once he did the math for me, I, it just bells went off and I just thought, wow, okay, that's, that's really good. So I listened to him and unfortunately my twin brother did not. <laughs> so I remember there was a, there was a car that was shared by the four of us. My older sister and brother were at the house at that point. But I just remember going, wow, I don't, I don't want to share this car. And he and said, dad, I need a car. I want a car. And he said, well, start working. Start walking dogs, washing cars, do do whatever you can do. Babysit, you know. I saved two thousand dollars, and by the time I was eighteen, I bought my Volkswagen Super Beetle. was my first car, and I could not have been prouder. I just thought, Wow, you work hard, you want something, go get it, go get it. So that's what I did. I think I think that that lesson and just having grown up that way really, really made me, made me hungry for, for things that I didn't have, you know?
0: Yeah. Amazing. And you've really done some extraordinary things. What do you think, uh, was your favorite project of all the extraordinary things you got to do?
1: My favorite project? Well, in my, when I was living in Los Angeles, I was representing commercial directors and, I was there at this company for about two years, and one of my favorite directors, such a beautiful man, Tarsem Dondoir, got a green light to do a film at New Line Cinema, it was called The Cell. It was with Jennifer Lopez and Vince Vaughn and Vince D'Onofrio. It was a psychological thriller, and so I had the opportunity to go be on that film with Tarsem. And... That took up about two years of my life, and from pre-production shoot, post-production premiere, that was two years, and it got to the point where it was a long, grueling schedule until we finished principal photography, so that was about, uh, we shot for 89 days, so that was a good year, it was a good year, yeah, it was a good year of production, so Sunday became Shave My Legs Day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because of the, the hours and the turnaround, it just, you know, we got behind schedule. Then we were shooting, you know, six day weeks instead of five day weeks. I had no life, no social life really. It was just the most incredible experience of my entire life. I mean, even though I was working so incredibly hard, I learned so much. I was exposed to so much. And, you know, I fell in love with film. Um, I mean, I'd always been into movies and things like that, but I really fell in love madly because of the process and what you see, what goes into every single bit of it. It was an incredible experience. I I talked to Tarsem and I said, T, this is your, first. it was his first feature and it was a $50 million film. And I said, I really, we got very close when I represented him and he trusted me with everything. I was in every single meeting with him, every casting. Every, everything, anybody that needed to get to Tarsim had to come to me first and not like on a business perspective, I wasn't his manager or his agent, but I was the the go-to for the film for him. So I just said, we have to do behind the scenes. You know, I really, I really want to shoot your, the making of your first film in you. And he said, you can do it. As long as I never see a camera on my face, and I said, "Okay, great." So the, the you know the film came out. They ended up using a lot of my footage in the DVD. It was just an incredible experience. I just saw things in a bigger picture, you know.
0: What do you think was the thing that you took from that that really changed her life the most? Like, had that not happened, things would be totally different.
1: Well, every aspect uh, that, that goes into making a film. It just I had never been in. That kind of production before. I'd been in production, you know, working with music videos and things like that, but to see production on that scale and scope was was groundbreaking. And we started a second feature that was called Constantine. Long story short, ended up shutting down production after three months uh, because of creative differences with Tarsem and the studio. And he was right to walk off the picture, which is exactly what he did. And I remember going to the meeting with him, and he said, you're going to be out of a job. I'm going to be out of a job. Everybody that signed contracts are going to be unemployed because of me. And I said, you, if you don't want your name on this picture, you need to walk and you can't worry about everybody else. You will be living with us and it's your second feature. And I implore you to do what you need to do. So he went in, had a meeting, walked out and we drove for 30 minutes in his car before he said anything, I was sitting there on pins and needles, just waiting. And he said, I walked. And I said, good for you. And I was, that is when my unemployment, hell started in LA for 10 months. I could not get arrested to get a job. And it was, it was because it was amongst all the layoffs, producer deals were happening in LA at that time. There's massive cleaning house. So I'm on the market along with everybody else and I couldn't get a job for 10 months. I lost like 15 pounds. I started going into my head of I'm unemployable. I can't believe I can't get a job. I'm a smart woman. I'm, I've been super successful. Like, how is this happening to me? I went into such a deep, dark place and was, was working so hard to try and get a job. And I had a friend, one of my best friends in New York, and said, T, you just, you've always wanted to live in New York. You need a change. Get out of there. And if there's ever a point you're going to get out and get out of that industry that, that, that you love, but you also realize it took two years of your life, do, is that a life you want to live? So it started to resonate. I came to New York. I didn't move. I came to New York for two weeks and set up a bunch of meetings and landed one at a print photography studio that represented photographers and spoke to him about he had some directors on the roster. And I said, I come from, you know, representing directors, all these guys are going to go jump ship. If I give me 30 days to set this up, and you you after 30 days after you see what I do, if you Don't feel that I'm worthy of being paid after 30 days. Then don't pay me. But I can tell you, I can set this up and I can, I can meet with your photographers, talk to them about directing and set up this division. And he looked at me like he he must've thought I was crazy that I would do that for 30 days and not be paid. And I said, that's how confident I am. And he said, okay. So I talked myself into a job. And it was the right decision. I set up the director division. I had directors working and that experience in Los Angeles. And I left Los Angeles, I moved to New York and I'm telling you when that plane lifted off, I cannot tell you how happy I was to get out of there just because 10 months of hell, like I went through so much, but it didn't, it just made me stronger it really truly made me stronger and and hungry again like i was hungry for my own car at 16 i thought i can i can do i just have to believe it and i can do it just own it and do it
0: believe it own it do it <laughs> and it's really cool how what felt like such a failure this this inability to get work even though you knew that you had what it takes you were just feeling so unemployable and you really made a change. You left the physical place where you were just terrifying to do a lot of people. It's, it's hard for people to move physically anywhere. Truly. Um, we, we, it's so easy to get stuck. Yeah. And then not only that, but be willing to put in the work to get the results because you believed in yourself that much.
1: Yeah. Well, coming off of, of 10 months <laughs> of a deep, dark place, I re- what I realized, the lesson I learned there was that when you're going after something so intensely, you sometimes reverse what it is that you're trying to do and accomplish. So I was so desperate and so trying so hard that that energy was being put out. I feel it was being put out. I would I would take deep breaths before I went into meetings. I would... But it must have, you know, people, animals can smell fear a mile away. I think people have a sensibility of really that are in tune that you can really tell what's going on with someone when you just have some time with them, if you're really present. And I think that that's a big lesson I learned as well, that when you're when you're fighting so hard to, to get something or to have something, it's got to be with the intention that you own and believe that you deserve it and I think there was a part of me that I thought oh I don't really deserve this I've been I was out in the you know in the field trying to get these jobs amongst a bunch of people that were five and, and seven years younger than me you know and if there's anything about Hollywood it's all about 20 year old intern at CAA or Harvard grad, excuse me, Harvard grad intern at CAA. So I felt like I, I, I had lied about my age when I was in L.A. because of the business.
0: To be older, or to be younger?
1: To be, to be younger, yeah. I shaved eight years off of my age when I was in Los Angeles. And I looked, you know, I look eight years younger than I am. So I thought, I've got to be competitive here. So that lie, I think, really... You think about that. Just think about that. Me knowing that I'm lying about my age to get work just defeated the whole purpose. That was part of it. And then, you know, me not really believing in myself because I was in such depths. But when I got to New York, I got to tell you, that plane lifted off and I landed and I honestly, (laughs) I kissed the sky. I was so happy, and New York's been very good to me and and the day I landed and somebody asked me how old I was, I told him the truth.
0: That's awesome. yeah we don't um, make I mean, I'm a New Yorker um, we're pretty honest in New York. no sense in beating around the bush. we kind of tell people exactly what we think when we think it and appreciate when others do the same. Maybe uh, in other parts of the world they think we're not polite, but there is something that's really comfortable about just being truthful and I see what you're saying when you had to lie how that can affect your energy there was this lack of authenticity that almost made you not that you were not believing in yourself but how can one really believe in oneself when you know that if you told the truth about who you were you would somehow be discounted more right I mean doesn't it just goes to the how could you you're saying I didn't believe in myself but you knew you had to lie how could you believe in yourself if you had to lie
1: exactly my point yes
0: but then again you know that experience of these 10 months of hell really reconnecting you to that energy of hunger that was what sparked your greatness in the first place.
1: Yeah. I'd never had more self-doubt, I think, in my life. And I remember just seeing friends and, like, how are you doing? I'm like, burst into tears. I'm terrible. Like, you know, it just overwhelmed me. And I think just, you know, when my friend Paul called and said, T. What are you doing? Stop beating a dead horse. Try some new, try something new. Why don't you come to New York? See what's in New York. And I just thought bells went off. It was a great experience.
0: I think what you're saying is so important because that whole idea of try something new. It's so easy when things aren't working out to do to work harder on the thing that we're already trying, as if we're not doing it, we're not trying hard enough. As opposed to try something new, which is such a really good point. Um, So what were you so? Then what, you were the director?
1: So then I, so I was at this company and um, I was there for a couple of years and I ended up wanting to be back in production because that was really something that I was so impassioned by. And um, and so I started working for this production company with this guy um, that shall name remain nameless. <laughs> And it was a really, it was a good experience for the first year. The second year, he was off on his boat all the time. He was rarely in the office. I was basically running the company and he would pop in here and there, but I was pretty much running his company without the benefits or the pay. And I remember we had a client that called and when he was in the office, he would just answer it and start chatting. And it started to become, Hey, I need to talk to T. Uh, she's, we're in the middle of this prep and I need to talk to her. So the phone calls started going to me more and he got a little, I guess he got threatened, but I thought, dude, if you stay off your boat and show up in the office, what do you want me to let your business fall apart? I mean, I'm running your company. So he offered to, I was bringing clients in. I brought a couple of clients in that made him more money than me. And he offered me, he said, I'm going to make you, I thought he was going to be a percentage partner, but it was a shareholder agreement. And I looked at this thing when he handed it to me and he said, you know, in his office and he said, let's talk, you know, here's a shareholder agreement. And I looked at it and I said, but your company's not worth anything. This is a, an independent company and shares in this company don't mean anything. I mean, it was, it was so insulting. And then we were on a shoot together and he got on the walkie and before everybody was using headsets. He got on the walkie and asked me to check the toilet paper in the motorhome, in front of clients and a crew because he was so threatened. And he just wanted to show me who was boss. And I had a, a dear friend that was a stylist and she came up to me and she said to he, he's threatened by you. She had known him for a long time. And she said, he's so threatened by you, you, you should, you should take off and start your own company. And on that same day, the client at the end of the day came up to me and said, if you start your own company, we will come with you. Because I'd been producing for them for the last six or seven months, because he was never in the office. So I just thought, Oh, God, how do I like, first of all, ethically, I don't want to I don't want to steal his client and start my own company, but I do want to start my own company. So I gave notice two weeks, the last, the first two weeks of December, I gave notice. And, and actually he was like, you can go now. So I had most of December and I went to, for New Year's, I went with a group of friends to Boca del Toro in Panama. And we stayed on a remote island with about four places to stay, no cars, no bicycles, um, surrounded by beautiful water and, you know, wild monkeys on these hikes that we would go on. And on New Year's, there was, it started to rain and there was a massive bonfire. And I remember I was the only one that was dancing around that bonfire in the rain and people were looking at me and then they started coming out. I had never felt more liberated because I'd made a decision that I'm going to jump into into the abyss of I don't of the unknown. I'm determined to start my own company and that revelation to me, I just thought I can I know I can do this. This is not going to be easy, but I know I can do it all I need is one client. All I need is one client. I'm doing it. So January, I got back.
0: Pause on one second, because I just want to really point out something really important about what you're saying. Um, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin, who who talks a lot about being a linchpin, yeah. meaning, which is what you were really doing. You made yourself within that company indispensable. You made yourself the person that every, you were so good at your job
1: Invaluable.
0: You made yourself totally invaluable, totally indispensable. So, you know, it really is. So many people we go to work and it's like, oh, I don't want to, it's the boss's money anyway. You weren't asking yourself, you didn't go to work asking who's getting paid, how's the minimum I can do to get away with it without losing my job. Instead, you you really picked up the ball and were so good to those clients that they just wanted to talk to you and you put yourself in a position where you were the one they wanted. And you were able to start your own company. Um, you were saying, you know, you, you felt liberated, liberated, but really through the hard work, you liberated yourself.
1: I, exactly. And I didn't even realize, you, you're absolutely correct, everything you just said, but I didn't even realize that that was happening. All I was thinking was, I love this. Like, I'm, you know, I'm running this company. I couldn't be, I couldn't have been happier. i was so excited to have the opportunity to be doing it and, and you know, realizing that, wow, I, I'm, I can produce, you know, with my experience, you know, I'd worked in production and music videos and commercials and stuff in Los Angeles, but being the boss, I was, I was respected the department heads and them running crews on the movie and each department just had a lead. And I thought, God, that's so great. Producers were great. And it was just, it, it was a, like I said, it was a really great experience, but.
0: You know, but I don't want anyone to listen to this either. And be like, oh, easy for her to say because she loves her job. I mean, it's grueling work what you're discussing. It's not all glamour, right? I mean, this, just because you loved it doesn't mean that every minute is fun. Oh, it's not cool. like every minute is you just being glamorous, right? Can we just pause on that? Because I don't want anyone to discount the importance of what you're really bringing up here. This is grueling, hard work, tedious, Right.
1: Well, it's, it's, and production is not an easy, it's not an easy life. You know, you're, you're responsible for 30 or 40 people on a crew and sometimes 80 or 85, it just depends on the project, but it's something happens with people when they get on a production, they're told where to sleep, where, you know, when to eat, their meals are provided, you know, call times where they're told every single minute of the day where they need to be basically. So they kind of chuck out. And so the, the responsibility of you know when you're shooting in New York City on the streets, you know somebody's walking across the street with a cell phone, not even paying attention. I'm like guys, don't you know they're walking across the street to the motorhome? It's like no, remember you're the streets aren't blocked off just because you because they are told every single moment. But it is grueling. The you know I've gotten up at three thirty in the morning to be on set at four thirty, and the crew comes at six and you know, it's long hours and, you know, losing a location at 10 o'clock at night when you're supposed to be at location at 6 a.m. the next morning. I, that happened to me in L.A., you know, after I started my company. I think it was like this second second year. And I, oh, I stayed up till 2.30 in the morning calling location companies, looking online. I mean, it was nuts. We ended up getting through it, but it's nerve-wracking. But there's something about the thrill that it's always going to be different. My days are never the same in a in a production.
0: Do you have any advice for people who don't love their jobs or who might be hearing this and thinking that these experience that you're having maybe that's for you, but that's not for them in this lifetime for whatever reason
1: i think I think that finding finding the right situation and and you know I've certainly been in jobs where I've just been miserable early on and just going to these jobs every day that I just don't, I don't love and, and doing soul searching um, um, along the way. And I just, I, I read something I cannot remember. I think it might've been a Buddhism book, but the saying, do what you love, love what you do, and everything will fall into place. In, in essence, the money will come, love what you do. So it's, it's about finding that love and, I mean, there's never, there's never a guarantee about anything, but you know, if you believe in something and you feel it intensely and that takes a lot of work, it doesn't just come naturally. I mean, you have to.
0: Yeah. Because you weren't believing in yourself. So how do you start believing in yourself when you don't?
1: Well, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I forgot to tell you this, but I, I, I remember being at that company. Um, this is the previous production company before I started my own. And I just I did serious soul searching. I was looking through, you know, trying to find how to get to that place where I can I can have the belief that I can I can do this on my own, that I don't need anyone. I I dropped out of college after two years. I didn't finish college. I didn't study business. You know, I had no idea. I thought, how, how in the hell am I going to run a company? I don't know how to run a company. You know, how do I get clients? How do I do all of this? But I never gave up. And I watched the secret. And I know that's going to sound super hokey to probably a lot of people, but that I, I watched it. I would fall asleep. It was such dense material. And I'd come home after work and watch it. And one Saturday, I said, "I am not going to watch this tired. I'm going to, I'm going to watch this in the middle of the day and absorb every inch of it." And I cannot tell you three months later, that's when I started my company. That's why I was dancing around that fire in Bogota, Toro. I just felt so liberated because what it taught me, what the secret taught me, was to manifest, to visualize, to believe, to own it. And once you really take that in your soul and own it and believe it, you don't just sit there and tell yourself that. You know, it's like somebody that rolls dice and says, I need double sixes. No, you visualize the double sixes. You see them, you feel them, you own them.
0: So interesting. So three months after really using the law of attraction practices in the secret was when you started your own company
1: yes i just i really digested that i really digested it and i kept working and working and and just I, like i said you just believe you know i i had belief because i'd had belief in the past sometimes it has a tendency to come and go and and it it takes practice to to zero back in and hone in on that.
0: Now, that's important to remember because some people might say, oh, I don't believe in myself. Easy for you to say, but you know, it comes and goes, right? It's not a constant thing and it's something we all have to work on and we have to choose for ourselves, right? You, you chose to believe in yourself. It's not like you just woke up
1: that way, right? I mean, you were down and out. Exactly. And and it is, it is work. You do have to work at it. Just like you have to work on a relationship, your relationship with belief. And again, I keep using that you just have to own it. You have to take it in. You have to take it in. And really, it permeate every cell in your body that you are. And once you start walking through life with that, and don't forget it. Don't ever take anything for granted. Don't assume.
0: What specifically did you believe in? You know, what was it that you were... When you were saying you were visualizing, believing, owning, what was it that you started
1: to visualize? I saw myself booking flights on Delta uh, to produce jobs all over the world, which I ended up doing. I visualized, and I and I saw myself doing it, and 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 that's and that's what the secret gave me.
0: And I can totally understand why you'd be dancing around that fire pit in the rain that night because. Imagine the, the celebratory feeling to know that the secret works, that you can believe in something and manifest it in this way. I mean, how empowering. Who wouldn't dance? Who wouldn't want to dance around a fire?
1: Well, it's just I, I had made the decision to to jump. And I thought if I don't jump now and I don't take a dive and just I don't know where or how I will land but I'm going to do everything in my power to make it happen. And it's a big risk. And there's, I have a piece of jewelry that is by Aurora Lopez, and she's the one that started every piece of jewelry that got knocked off 100 times over with you know the gold pieces and the cuffs and the rings that have words of inspiration. And I did a trade with her. Uh, and so she said, come to the studio and pick something out. And the things I picked out um, to go on this necklace was the biggest risk in life is not risking, that's one. Let fear be your biggest inspiration, that's another one. The other one has imagine on one side and faith on the other. And I got that necklace probably two months into my first company, into, into the company I started. And people would always look at it and say, what does this say? And me just looking at it and saying it was just a, a mantra of let the, let the fear that I'm going into inspire me beyond.
0: How does it, how do you let it inspire you?
1: Because I know I can conquer it. It inspires me because it, it, it excites me just like it excites me to get on a new production and travel somewhere new that I've never been and you have such
0: high self-esteem. Self-esteem going by the the definition by uh Nathaniel Brandon who is one of the kind of grandfathers of of the of the understandings we have of self-esteem. He talks about self-esteem having two parts. And one of them is how deserving you feel that good things should happen to you in this world, like whether you really think you deserve it. But the other side of it is how much you really trust yourself that that you can get things done and not mess things up, and you have a really high sense of trust in yourself that if you're given a task, you can
1: achieve it. Well, I'm only telling you some of the stories. <laughs> the self-esteem thing—I I, don't—I think that just—I—I I can be quite vulnerable and insecure so many times, and I don't—I. You know, I cry at commercials that are, you know, heart-wrenching, you know, so.
0: Yeah, well, sensitivity is different, but the self-esteem piece, knowing that if you're given an opportunity, you're going to be able to handle it.
1: Well, thank you. I think if you work hard, you earn earn that. Nothing's just going to get handed out. You have to work at it. You have to work at relationships. You have to work at training a dog. You have to work hard at things and be consistent at things and you're rewarded you know i i really believe that and and i think what kept me going at the very beginning of starting this company and sitting there looking at the phone and waiting for it to ring i i would work weekends stay up late at night whatever it took because what i did not want to do was go back to where i'd been before which is unemployed in LA for 10 months and working for an asshole. So those two things alone really kept my drive and kept my
0: hunger and willingness to make hard, hard sacrifices because of that, the extent of your hunger and drive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then that, that trust in yourself, knowing that at the end of the day, you were going to put in that work
1: Exactly. And, and reap the benefit of it. And, but, but just the idea of going back to a place that I, I, that alone, that alone will make you change your life.
0: (laughs) Right. Rock bottom. When you know where your rock bottom is and you're sufficiently motivated to avoid that rock bottom. Um, You know what they say um, that actually, if you study marketing, one of the things they say is that people are twice as motivated to avoid the things that they don't want as they are to actually achieve the things they do want.
1: Unequivocally. Yeah. Unequivocally.
0: So you definitely had your downside. But I also think that your dad deserves a lot of credit because by teaching you that, that trick of not getting in yourself into a hole deeper than you could afford, it seems as though he really also taught you to not get yourself into a hole of debt that might've prevented certain things that you were then able to take risks on because you, you weren't being weighed
1: down by unmanageable debt. Yes. Uh, that, that lesson, uh, that is, that is the biggest gift in life that, that someone could, could teach you at such a young age is that responsibility because look at, and there's so many people that that don't know how to manage that. It's plastic. And it seems that ev- everything is attainable when you have plastic. It's really a detriment to so many people. And, you know, when he said, if you can't pay for it in cash, you have no business buying it. It's such an
0: important lesson and really is the difference between freedom or lack of freedom in this lifetime. It can It can end up being... So
1: it's it's so true. true.
0: And what's cool also, I just want to get back into this um, belief that you had in yourself. It's not you were not approaching from a place of just entitlement. It was just the willingness to do whatever it takes. And and even if that means moving where you are, even if it means starting your work day at two thirty in the morning or three a.m. or whatever you had to do, even if it means staying up all night. So a lot of times in life, we learn really big lessons from experiences that while we're going through the experience, it feels like a failure. But then later in life, when we look back, uh, it, it turns out we we received like massive learning and, and massive, massive blessings from it. Do you have any stories like that or anything from your life that was a huge lesson learned from what felt like failure?
1: <laughs> Do I ever. So uh, I would say my My biggest, most recent lesson, probably well, it's in the last seven years, was um, you know a failed relationship, which was a six- year relationship. And that I think that failed for reasons on both of our parts, but I, I know what my part is, and I know what I learned from it. My part was being so consumed with my work and clients and travel that my my idea of never going back to that place, that dark place that I told you about pushed me to great lengths and pushed me to places where you know, I'm a freelancer, technically, even though I own a company. I'm only reliant, I'm reliant on the work that comes my way. So I couldn't plan a trip to the islands or to plan a trip with my girlfriend to go to Europe, or you know it would have to be okay got a two week, there's a two week break here. Let's jump on a plane in three days. Well, she was in a situation where she couldn't do that. So we had to plan it. So if I got a big job, I'd have to cancel. So more trips were canceled than should have been. But the idea of, oh, I can't, I can't let this go. Like I can't lose this. I don't want this client to work with anybody else. Cause then, you know, I won't have the, you know, I don't want somebody else to get in there. So I really should have, made more time for that. I think that was a, a big failure on my part. You know, she had her failures. We accept each other's failures and everything else. But that that really taught me a lot. And when we split up, I, I did some serious soul searching and looking at what things were done on my part that were wrong or that could have been better. And cha- that changed my life. I mean, I've been I've traveled and been and done because I've, I've realized that life is short and you have to enjoy it as well. You can't be consumed or obsessed with losing something that you don't enjoy what's in front of you.
0: Yeah. It's hard anyway when we have a partner that has such a different lifestyle. If your lifestyle involves tons of travel, but it kind of has to be last minute. And you're trying to make it work with someone who could never do anything last minute. That sounds like a challenging setup to begin with. So just to give you a little slack on that one. But at the same time you know, it really does make sense to look and say, what were you valuing instead of valuing this love and this relationship? Of course, there's the fear of never going back to the dark place of working for an asshole or being unemployed or all of those things. That's mm-hmm. one thing. But at a certain point, you know, there is a certain level of stability we reach. So when is too much? Like how much pushing? At what point can can we start to reevaluate those values? And how do you, how do you decide that? Like you were saying, if you didn't go on that, if you didn't take that job, the client might have found another another producer. So what would you have done? How could you really have handled that? What would you do differently now?
1: I mean, what I would do differently now, um, I mean, I what I started to do was wean clients off of me. So I had a um producing partner that I brought in, um, and she traveled with me and, you know, learned the way that I wanted things done and it's very specific. And, you know, they got to know her. So I was able to pass clients off and they felt comfortable with her and I felt comfortable with her. So
0: as a po, which is good because just to re-bring up the asshole that you worked for, he was threatened by you. You, found- you were able to do this in a way where instead of feeling threatened by her, she actually or was it, I don't know who it was that you trained, um, this human that you trained that you used to wean clients off of instead of feeling threatened it really you have you've, you've allowed it to liberate your life more
1: yes absolutely and Sarah's her name and she i was so good to her and i took such incredible care of her and she trusted me completely i helped her start becoming a location scout and then i would hire her if, you know if there wasn't a lot of you know producing work for her to do i said you you've got a great eye go shoot locations go scout this street for me go do the And she started doing that. And she was like, oh, my God, T, this is like, I love this. And I said, you're good at it, you know, and I paid her full rate. She got every bit of it. So really
0: grooming her the right way, treating her the right way. And so then setting it up, which also requires you, you know, obviously people could take advantage too in this world. We don't want to just because we give everything to someone doesn't mean they're going to stick around and we can trust them. It's important to, to, to um, choose wisely. How did you teach yourself that you could trust this person? When you, Because people sometimes maybe would be scared to give the sort of things you gave to Sarah for fear that she would take advantage of you. How do you navigate that?
1: She earned my trust and I earned her trust. That basically is the bottom line. And it's how you speak to people, how you communicate with people, how honest you are. Every, all of it, it all factors in. I, and, and plus conversation of sitting down saying, look, this is, I want to be very clear that you will be well taken care of just as you always are. And I want to be clear that these are my clients. (laughs) Um, and she looked at me and she said, Oh my God, T you've been so good. Like I would never. And then I tried to hire her full time and and get her into being a partner. And she said, T I, um, my husband travels all over the world and I take these fabulous trips and I really don't want to work that hard like you do. <laughs> and I said, okay, well then we'll just work when you want to work. No. And it was a beautiful setup and she was completely happy with that. And I think, I think that is rare to find, but truly she earned my trust and, and, I earned hers. It really is what it boils down to.
0: And it's an investment, right? Just like any relationship is an investment. It's, it's important to ask the hard questions and to take the extra steps and to do the extra work in all our relationships to build these kinds of things. It's really cool that you have that. It
1: all takes work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any other important lessons in terms of work relationships and building a team you can trust?
1: Well, If you start to, you know, I I think intuition is so important, and I try to hone in on that and keep that present as 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 frequently as possible. Sometimes you just, you know, all of this in life takes work. It belief takes work. You know, your intuition takes work. You don't just say, "I'm going to be intuitive right now and I'm going to see this situation." You can't do that. You have to feel it. You have to feel it. You know, and Intuitively, there were there have been a couple of people that freelance for me that that really I had a, a bit of a feeling about and I had to slowly get them out. And because I could I could just tell that the honesty wasn't there. The trust wasn't there. And I implore people to really heed your intuition work on your intuition pay attention to it sit with it because it will it will show you more than you ever imagine if you can make sure that you you have that um practice
0: especially you know what's interesting too when you talk about these freelancers that you found maybe were lacking in in certain levels of honesty and trust in a high pressure environment like the one that you're in and with all of the responsibilities you're holding, you know to have to start over and find a whole new freelancer is a huge pain in the butt when you've got so much else going on. But to not invest in making sure you have a team that you can intuitively trust, that they're going to be honest and trustworthy, it, it would be so easy to just look the other way because to avoid having to deal with it. So not just only honing and feeling your intuition, but really then acting on it even when that's not convenient.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, acting on it, it took me longer than it should have because I was so I was so busy and needed her so badly that I took her back. And this is going to sound horrible. I took her back after she forged my signature on a visa document to be a U.S. citizen, which which only for two months. And. I understand the desperation of why she did it. I, um, yeah, that was a really hard one. That was a really hard one.
0: But even you admitted, right? Sometimes we get so busy and we have such a high need for someone that it's almost easier to look the other way than it is to deal with the problem. But, you know, that's the, that's just what it is. A small problem now becomes a big problem later, right?
1: Right. Well, there were a couple things after in those following two months that finally made me pull the plug, and it was just—it was dishonesty and going into my purse when I step out of the office, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I, I talk about intuition. I'm not—I I'm, believe me, I, I felt it from the very. I, I should have not let it go on another two months, but I did, and that's my mistake. Learn that—learn that lesson to really, when you when you feel when your intuition speaks to you, you better listen you know if you're in a if you're in a relationship that you, you keep you keep saying to yourself why am i here why am i staying in this listen and act and you you talked about acting on it acting on it is crucial yeah and also hard oh god extremely extremely
0: do you have any lessons around getting yourself to act on things even when it's completely hard and inconvenient
1: ooh don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to act on it. Know that if it's not working for you, the other side is far better. Sometimes people stay in a situation, let's say, for instance, a relationship. You know, I've, I've stayed in a relationship too long because I was afraid to leave and didn't want to be out in the dating world or didn't want to be by myself. Or and once, I, once I finally took that leap too – oh gosh.
0: Right. What they say is better the devil, you know, in other words, there's someone in front of us. Our intuition says, this is bad. We're noticing things that aren't okay, but we think, oh, the alternative could be worse, but we don't know. That's just the unknown. And so your point being, don't be afraid of the unknown because staying in something you know is bad is definitely only going to get worse.
1: Exactly. And, and, and again, it it circles back to, you know, what's on my necklace that let fear be your biggest inspiration. Take that Don't run away from it. Don't be afraid of it. Take it and let it inspire you. Let it inspire you to change things, to do something different, to move, to, you know, leave a relationship, to leave a job.
0: What is the fear that you have faced that you're the most inspired by now? Like what has been the fear that has become your biggest inspiration?
1: Oh, the fear of failure. I will, I will never fail again. In, in my eyes, not in, and that sounds, wait, let me retract that. That doesn't sound right.
0: I think it sounds great. I will never fail again.
1: I just, I will never fail again. And, and I, I believe that. And listen, it's, you know, when you're sitting here talking about relationships, well, you know, I've failed before I could fail again. But in terms of failing life, I, I just, I don't want that ever again. I don't want to fail I don't want to fail at a relationship. I don't want to fail at my company. I don't want to fail friendships, family. And I don't want to, you know.
0: And so that inspires you.
1: That does inspire me. It really does. Because it, it keeps me moving. It keeps me growing. It keeps me changing. And in, in hopefully the most positive ways.
0: What are you trying to grow in now?
1: To be, to be more spiritual I am fairly spiritual, but to, but to, to be, to have more of that in my life.
0: What does that mean to you?
1: Well, it, it, you know, more meditation, making more time for meditation and for, and for my yoga practice, it, it, it really with with such a high energy job of moving constantly for 10 or 12 hours on the set. You know i need to be grounded because the stress level is so incredibly high at times because of people's safety your responsibility you know clients are spending a half 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 a million dollars on a three-day shoot and you can't you know the pressure of going over budget or anything can happen anything can happen
0: and so for that reason and because of all this pressure Becoming more spiritual, working, making the time for meditation and yoga, be a way to cope better with the with the incredible pressure.
1: Well, yes, and and it, it my peace of mind and sleeping well at night is incredibly important to me. I read this study recently about the science of sleep, you know, and how important it is, and and people don't know that you can never, ever get your sleep back if you're not getting. Seven to eight hours a night, and this is one thing that really woke me up because, you know, working working till eleven o'clock at night and then having to get up at a four a.m. call, and when I read this study, it blew my mind because I thought, oh God, I can never, I can't sleep twelve hours the next day and get it back. Once your body goes without that kind of sleep for extended periods of time, it can not only shorten your life, but it affects how your brain operates. I mean, it's, it's, it affects so many things.
0: And so is your meditation and yoga helping you get better sleep?
1: Well, it's not only yoga meditation definitely is helping, but it's, you know, taking a two hour bike ride. It's, it's swimming in the Bay. And that, that is another form of helping me attain a, a peace of mind. It's mind, body, spirit, right? Yeah, absolutely,
0: and you're super um, athletic as well. Always have been, right?
1: Well, I love my tennis. <laughs> it's very awesome. I, I love all of it, just because I get, you know, I think that's why I love being a producer because I'm traveling to different places, and you know, I get I get bored. I get bored if 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 I'm not experiencing something new. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, that's I swim, I bike, I do yoga, tennis, I. All of that, it just is something that's different and 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 constantly changing, you know, getting better at my backhand, which is what I've been doing a lot.
0: A lot of backhand. I love it. You know, speaking of all these really cool places that you've traveled, what do you think is the coolest thing that you've gotten to do as a result of your work? Like, what's just the absolute coolest thing that's happened to you because of the way that you set yourself up professionally? Just of all the, just when you look back at your life and you're like, wow, that was epic.
1: Um, well, this, the, the, the movie was one, but I think, you know, taking a trip to Iceland. So I bid, you know, the, the client said, listen, it was August by the way. And they said, where do we, where do we shoot winter in August? We need glaciers and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well, it's Canada, Alaska, or, you know, Iceland. So I was pushing for Iceland cause I, you know, lived in Alaska for four years and Alaska was turning out to be very expensive. So, but Iceland was it, I mean, this country is 400 years old. It is so green. There aren't a lot of trees. The people are incredible. Reykjavik 75% of the population lives in the, the capital city of Reykjavik. And it's some of the most beautiful country I have ever seen. It, It is quite a drive. We were on a tour bus. It was almost like almost famous. We had the photo team in there DJing on, you know, five hour rides. We would we would have to take to get to another location, sleep, wake up the next day, shoot this incredible thing. So we're we're driving through the most beautiful moss covered mountains that you could ever imagine. Black sand beaches, ice, ice, small icebergs would roll up on a black sand beach and there would be rainbows in them because of the reflection of the sunlight. I mean, it was just magical. It was truly, truly magical.
0: Wow. Really cool. Yeah. Before we wrap up, are there any just messages you have for people listening, things you just wish every woman would know and live her life with that we haven't already mentioned?
1: Wow. We've talked about a lot. Um, know, the only, I was listening to Eckhart Tolle and he and and he said um, when the ego weeps for what it has lost, the spirit rejoices for what it has found.
0: When the ego weeps for what it is lost, the spirit rejoices for what it has found. What does that mean to you when you hear it?
1: Oh gosh, it's when you when you think about any loss, you know, any any loss or or you know, goes back to any any failure, you know, learn from learn from how you've grown.
0: And that's how the spirit is rejoicing because the spirit grows. Whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And that's something that at the end of the day, we're going to be better for.
1: Absolutely. Have faith. Have faith in yourself and and believe in yourself and, and really believe your own power and know that you have it and use it.
0: I love that. What a great way to end. Where can women who want to follow you go to find you? Is there a website? Is there anything that
1: Absolutely. Instagram is really, Instagram is really where everything is. So it's T Boyd five, the number points, T Boyd five points.
0: All right. T Boyd five points. And um, is there like a portfolio of work they can go to see some of the stuff you've done or is it?
1: Well, that's my website's connected to it's uh, fivepointsprod.com and it's the number five. That's on my Instagram. And that's where the work is that a lot of the work I've done, not all of it, But that's where a lot of the work is that I've done and places I've traveled. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Thank you, Jordana. You, you know, I, when I was thinking about talking to you today, I, I was going to bed last night and I thought, gosh, I really want to just ask her so many questions. And what if I just flipped this whole thing and made it about her?
0: I'm (laughs) so glad you did (laughs) it. The audience is better off. I'm so glad that we got to to learn from you because you're really extraordinary and exactly the kind of person I just want everyone to know is out there. And because everything that you've done, people can do. You just it's about the hard work and the believing in yourself. And you did not you were not handed the privileges that you that you built for yourself.
1: Oh, thank you. And honestly, you're you're such a pleasure. It's an honor to be to be on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, I love being your friend. Thank you so much for your time, Teresa.
1: Likewise. Likewise. Bye, everybody.
0: And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious. What of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to WomenWantingWomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.